Good morning. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the staff members here at One Church. And, and, and I believe that for many of you, this week has been frustrating and stressful and, and full of anxiety. And what we're asking you to do today is just relax. Sit with us and take a deep breath. John and the worship team are just going to bring it here in a few seconds. Pastor's going to get into the word and we're going to pray. And we want you to do all those things with us. We want you to pray and we want you to worship and we want you to learn with us. But most of all, we just want you to take a deep breath. Let us minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Lord, we ask that we don't get in your way this morning, that everything that is sung and everything that is said glorifies you and brings us closer to you and closer to one another. In Jesus' most precious name we pray, amen. Turn bones into armies. 
Don't 
we thank you for your goodness, how you are over everything. Even in the midst of some of our hardest struggles, Father, even when we don't see it, God, we know that you're working and we thank you for that realization. We thank you for the space today to just be able to worship you with other believers. They might not be with us this morning, but we can feel them and we can feel your power. And we thank you for bringing that to where we are this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, good to spend some time with you today. I hope you're adjusting to our new norm uh, with several pieces, working from home or homeschooling or Zoom calls or online church or masks and gloves and marked out spots to stand in the supermarket and uh, social distancing. Uh, all necessary but challenging because it's not typically how we function. I remember when our kids were growing up, we used a form of social distancing as a form of discipline for misbehavior. These were the four words, go to your room. Anybody? Yeah, go to your room. And uh, we thought, you know, um, this is a cure for misbehavior. And then one day it dawned on us that going to the room wasn't so bad because there were toys in the room. There were video games in the room. Eventually, there was a TV in the room. They could take a nap in the room. And so they weren't beating on the door <laughs> asking if they could come out until like an hour later. They'd come and say, can I come out now? You know, it took them at least an hour to do that. It wasn't that hard for our kids. But I can tell you, social distancing, I'm ready for us to come together again. I'm ready for us to gather face to face and be able to worship God in this place. So today we continue a series called How Sweet the Sound, and we've been looking at the themes of some classic hymns uh, that uh, were written years ago. And so uh, Easter Sunday, we are focusing on Amazing Grace. I think that's one of the most popular hymns that was ever written, and the theme is still relevant, that God would send Jesus to pay the price for our sin. It's unheard of in an age where if we mess up, it cost us something. And then last week, Pastor Brian looked at the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, and this, this deal that he's our Savior, but also he can be our friend who knows everything about us, and we can talk to him about anything in our life. He gave some very helpful points last week about prayer, and I got to say this, you know, publicly, he was funny last week. I mean, he really was funny. So if either one of those messages you've missed, you can go on our webpage and catch either one of them. Today, the hymn is, I'll Fly Away. So let me give you a little background on this hymn. It was written by a guy named Albert Brumley from Spiro, Oklahoma in 1905. Now, Spiro is a small town, 2,168 people, one stoplight in the town, no Walmart, but they do have a Sonic. And uh, Albert grew up in a very poor family. He'd been working at a young age with the rest of his siblings, picking cotton. 
uh, when he was still young, only five, he lost a brother to typhoid fever, hard life. He wrote the lyrics of the song when he was in college, but one of the things he said is that the song was shaped in his mind from, from the hardships of childhood as a boy. And this was his hope after a hard life. This was his hope. Words of the song. Some great morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial store. I'll fly away. When the shadows of the life is gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird where prison bars have flown, I'll fly away. 5,000 and one versions of the song. See, if there was one part of the faith that gives me hope and an urgency for today, it's the second coming of Christ. When believers will be taken from earth to dwell with God in heaven forever. Amen? And it's called the second coming. Jesus will return like he said he would and take us to heaven. Now, for some of us that are hearing this for the first time, it probably seems a little bit weird. But the truth is, the second coming of Christ could take place anytime, and no one knows exactly when. So I'm taking a poll. I can't see your hands. But how many of you either grew up with a jack-in-the-box or have one in your house for your children? Yeah, so, um, so we found these funny videos of kids seeing the jack-in-the-box for the first time. So we're going to run it now, okay? Here it is. I've seen that five times. It still makes me laugh. See, just the anticipation of Jack popping out and you're not sure when, it can, it can make you nervous because you can't always predict it. Did you notice that when he popped out, some kids were happy, some kids were sad, and some kids were scared because sooner or later, Jack was coming. They just didn't know when. And I was thinking it's true about the second coming of Christ. Sooner or later, he's coming. We just don't know when. And for some of us today, his second coming makes us glad. For some, it makes us sad. And some of us, it makes us just a little bit afraid. See, people have tried to predict when the arrival of the second coming will take place. And I thought about that. And um, I just know this, that, uh, that you can't do it. And some have tried. They picked out an exact date, went to a particular mountain, but Jesus didn't show up. But he told us that ahead of time, that no one will know exactly when. As a matter of fact, the disciples were being uh, prophecy majors, and they asked him one day, they said, when, is that going to be the time? Is that the when? And he just looked at him and said, no. He said, no one will know the when of my coming. But there are two things that I do know about the com second coming of Christ. The first one is this. It's closer than it was yesterday. And the second thing I know about the second coming of Christ is this. The key is to be ready. 
for his coming. So, little Bible trivia, how about that? The Bible is not one book written by one author. It's 66 books written by 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years. The Bible contains a lot of prophecy. So here's a definition of prophecy. You ready? Prophecy is the prediction of something that is to come. Now, of the 66 books in the Bible, only four don't talk about prophecy. In the books that do, it's estimated that 20 to 30% of those books mention something about prophecy. So the second coming, this is the best definition I can give you today, the second coming is a prophetic teaching written about the Bible predicting what will happen in the future, in particular to Jesus' second coming. Now it would be hard to believe prophetic stuff about the second coming if there was nothing prophetic written about the first coming. So let's proof text prophecy just a little bit about the first coming of Jesus. For instance, you know, uh, things about his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Different parts were predicted by different authors in the Bible hundreds of years before it took place. So what are some of those things that were predicted about his first coming? That his mom would be a virgin that he'd be born in Bethlehem, that you could trace his family tree back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he'd ride in Jerusalem on a donkey, that he'd be silenced before his accusers, that he would be given vinegar to drink, that his hands and feet would be pierced, that he would be given a rich man's tomb, that he'd raise from the dead and ascend into heaven. All of that was prophesied and came to pass. It encourages us, doesn't it? It encourages us because the, that God will do what he said he'd do, and he would do it like he said that he would do it. So here's the kicker. <laughs> here's the kicker. When you, can, when, you, when you consider the number of predictions about his first coming compared to the number of predictions about his sec second coming, there are five times as many predictions about his second coming than his first coming in the scripture. So let's talk about his second coming. So uh, you're looking at the outline there, the eternal hope we have as Christians, what we believe about Christ's return. The first one is this, the return, right? Christ is coming again. That's a fact. He's coming again. The good news is that John recorded the words of Jesus when he was talking to his disciples, trying to prepare them for the fact that he was leaving. And he said this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My, father has a, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I'd have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what? I will come back and take you to be with me. These words bring us tremendous comfort and they brought comfort to his disciples. See, the early church, right, after Jesus went back to heaven, they were under extraordinary pressure. They were un under extraordinary persecution. If, if they, the leaders found out that they were Christians, they could be tortured or whipped or beaten or flogged or burned at the stake or crucified upside down or beheaded, and the list goes on. So check this out. Whenever a believer would meet somebody for the first time and they realized that they also were a believer. There was a secret code word that they would say to each other. They'd lean forward and they'd say, Maranatha, Maranatha. 
And that word meant this. It meant our king is coming soon. Now, I have to admit, there have been times in my life where I wanted him to come soon. For instance, when I was a student in high school and I didn't prepare for an exam, I'd pray before the exam, Jesus, this would be a good time for you to come back, huh? How about this one, right? This one, as an adult, when I was working hard, holding down two jobs, I was thinking in my mind, if heaven is a place where we don't have to work, come, Jesus, come now. Hmm? But there's also been times in my life where I didn't want him to come. For instance, my first game, uh, my first college soccer game, like, don't come today, Jesus. My wedding day, not today, Jesus. The birth of our two children, not today, Jesus. Not The first day I pastored one church, not today, Jesus. Jesus' coming has been delayed, but the truth is, he's coming. This is how Paul described it to the church at Thessalonica. Read it out loud with me. It's our memory verse, wherever you are. Let's read it out loud. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Sounds like something out of a science fiction movie, doesn't it? Jesus descends, talks in a loud voice, the trumpet sounds, the dead are raised to life, and will be given, the scripture says, new bodies that will never fade away. Now, i got to tell you something. I'm looking forward to a new body. I don't know about you, this one's dinged up a little bit. And I can't wait till I get another one, huh? So the eternal hope we have as Christians is in the return of Christ that he's coming again. The second thing is in the rapture. Living Christians are taken away. Rapture is when Christians who are living on the earth will be taken to heaven. Trumpet sounds, dead in Christ are raised. Those who are alive will be raptured or taken away. And I thought in my mind this week, I was like, how in the world is that going to happen? And then I thought to myself, when he created the earth, he created gravity to keep us on the earth. So the rapture must be a reverse of gravity. Gravity, where all of a sudden he flips a switch and now it's like a vacuum cleaner sucking us off the earth. You say, he couldn't do that. Oh yeah, he does gravity. I think he could do that, you know? I'm just saying it's possible. So Paul said it this way to the church at Thessalonica. We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Who's them, by the way? The dead in Christ. To meet the Lord in the air. Brumley, the songwriter of I'll Fly Away, said it this way. I'll fly away, O glory. I'll fly away in the morning. When I die, hallelujah, by and by. Yeah, I'll fly away, huh? In Matthew 24, Jesus said this is how it will happen. He said, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken, and the other left. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. So we got to be ready, because we don't know when. It can happen any time, any day, at any moment. No one knows the hour that Jesus will come. So this is just a little caution to everybody that's listening today. Don't play spiritual roulette. Thinking you can postpone a commitment to Jesus. Because if I hear it right, we don't know. And he can come any time, any day. And postpone. 
postponing a decision to follow Jesus is risky business. If we put it in a contemporary context, this scripture, a husband and wife are sitting at Tim Hortons having a coffee and one is taken and the other is left. If we put it in contemporary terms, terms a, a, a group of 20 high school students are on a bus to go to a soccer game and 12 are taken and 8 are left. A family of 5 is driving to church one Sunday and 4 are taken and 1 is left. There are instances, by the way, in which the living were taken away in the scripture. How about Enoch, huh? Who walked closely with God. He's carrying on his daily routine. Other people are around him, and all of a sudden, poof, he just disappears because God took him. And then there's Elijah who was out for a morning stroll. Check this one out. And a chariot of fire came by, picked him up, whisked him off to heaven. And then how about our Savior? He's on a mountain with the disciples, and he's given last-minute instructions about the mission. And just like that, he is swallowed up in a cloud. Paul says it will eventually happen to all who are alive in Christ at his return. The return of Christ, he's coming again. The rapture, living Christians are taken away. And then, I love this last part, the reunion. Christians will be with God forever. Again and again, it's repeated. The trumpet sounds. The dead in Christ will rise. The living are taken away or raptured. And then the best part, and it's in this scripture verse, after that, we who are still alive and are left behind will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I love again what Bromley said in I'll Fly Away. Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away to a land where joy will never end. I'll fly away. I mean, it sounds so good, doesn't it, in our current conditions? I mean, to those that are listening today, that are hurting today, or grieving today, or lost something valuable today, or afraid today because we're burdened with pain, hold on. Don't lose hope. There is a new day coming when we'll be in the presence of God. And there will be no more pain. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease, a.k.a. virus. There'll be no more poverty. poverty. There'll be no more racism. No more death, but life forever more in the presence of God. So a few years ago, I went on my first mission trip to Haiti. Uh, it was doing some work after the earthquake destroyed the island. And some of us worked all week on digging a footer for a new house by hand, 14 inches wide, 32 inches deep. But another group from our, another group renovated a 10 by 12 shed that we would use for tools into living space for a mother and two children. They repaired the front door. They put in a window. They swept and painted the inside and painted the outside. It was for her, and she'd been living in a pup tent for almost two years. It was like Christmas to her. And then we had church that night. We sang a song about heaven. And I was watching her 
as she worshiped God, thinking about heaven. And I realized the difference between her and I. See, we tend to still believe that we can have heaven on earth. And she clearly understood earth was never intended to be heaven. And so when she thought about heaven, there was a passion in her voice because she knew there was a better life to come. See, we have so much. We have so much in our culture that I think sometimes it can lull us into what I call spiritual complacency. Our Lord, Lord, give us an urgency. Lord, give us a passion for the, you, you daily. Lord, give us a love like you love. Lord, help us to look around at those that we know are far from you, God. And give us a passion to look for an open door to maybe tell them about you and what you've done in our life. Lord, help us to love our families and work and our ministry but love you more, knowing what we know about heaven. Paul gives us some instructions for this life. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We'll not all die, but we'll all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. Oh, here it is. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I underline this part that says always work enthusiastically for the Lord. I don't know when Jesus will come. I just know it's closer than it was yesterday. Or even closer than when I started this message. And so these last fill-ins, because time is short, I don't want to leave words unsaid. We have words to express and love to give and hope to share. I've made a commitment. Maybe it got stepped up during this crisis, but I want to be open to conversations I can have with people who don't know the Lord. And I want to initiate, if I can, without being obnoxious. And I was talking to a lady who was pumping gas at A plus on Main Street and there was an opening and we began to talk about Jesus. Like the PT guy who came to help my mother-in-law recover from a heart attack. I was thinking when he came in, I, Lord, I'm looking for an opportunity to talk to him about Jesus. And we did. And the clerk at 7-Eleven and the store manager at Home Depot on Niagara Falls Boulevard. There's an urgency about Jesus in a crisis. We don't want to leave words unsaid or deeds undone. God has given us gifts and abilities to make a living, yes, but they also are there to help others. And so where can we serve? What can we do with what he's given us to help others? And then finally, hope unshared. Who do you know? Who do you know that needs this? How about this? Why don't you give them an invitation to join you on online church next Sunday? I've shared that with you that several are clicking on to view online church, like 3,000 views in the last six weeks. Now, I don't know how long that they stay on, but I know this. If 3,000 did it for six weeks in a row, only thing I know is that they're looking for something. 
and they're looking for hope. And I heard stories being shared about a brother, someone who's a part of our church, has a brother who's been watching online. And he isn't sure whether he believes in God. But can I tell you what? He's watching every week. A grandma told me a story about her granddaughter and her husband who live in southwest United States. And they don't go to church. And they have to get up at 8 o'clock, by 8 o'clock, to make the viewing of online church. But they've been doing it every week. I know of a man who we met on a mission trip in Haiti who's watched online. Why? They're looking for hope. So... Most important question I could ever ask when it comes. To the second coming of Christ, are you ready? Are you ready? If not, <clears throat> if you've never committed to him, why not commit to him today to ask him to forgive you, to confess things you need to confess, and to begin to follow him today in your life. It'll be the greatest day of your whole life. And if you've already made that commitment to him, I gotta ask you, how's your urgency level? How's your passion level about the things that matter to Jesus? How are you living outside of church and are you using your gifts to serve him in some way? Are you looking for opportunities to tell others what he's done for you with the hope that they might commit and give Jesus a try? Whatever group you fall into today, whether you've never followed or you've followed but you got complacent, let this be the day when you reverse that. I have this habit because it talks about the second coming and it says when that day comes the eastern skies are going to open up and the Lord will return and every so often I will look to the east and say to myself is this the day is this the day that he'll split the skies and come back for his church? Be ready. Be ready. It's coming. Father, I thank you today for this time. And I would ask that you would take these words and you'd help us apply them to our life in a life-changing way. I thank you for the prophecy. I thank you that in the first coming of Jesus, you did exactly what you said you would do, and we pray that for the second coming. We love you. We thank you for the privilege you give us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.